that you are with us, that you rescue us, and that you provide us with a new way to live life. Help us to learn this morning what it looks like to follow you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's so awesome to have all these kids that were with us from VBS and their families. You all are, we're very glad to have you all with us this morning. And uh, I wanted to start, you know, the theme of our VBS was rescue. And um, I want to ask you all a question. Have you ever been rescued before? Now, most of us can maybe think back, maybe when we were a kid and we were swimming in the pool and we started to feel like we were drowning and our dad came over and saved us. Or, you know, we have more minor stories and some of us, Maybe you have a bigger story where somebody really saved you from, like, uh, you know, a, a, a very dangerous situation. Well, I remember uh, several years back, I went running on the beach, and I decided to go swimming afterwards in the water. And I was swimming, and all of a sudden, I got in this little rip current, and I was struggling. And I, you know, I started to yell help, and a person from the side of the beach said, stand up. And I'm like, okay. And I stood up, and I was like in a waist-deep water. So that's my rescue story. It was very uh, anticlimactic, but um, he did help me. I mean, I might have gotten tired eventually and had to stand up. Uh, recently, we brought a group of high school kids. We had over 40 high school kids that went with me on this annual trip. We take them on a surfing trip to uh, South Daytona Beach. And we had a guy from the local chapter of, uh, of Christian Surfers share with us his testimony about how the Lord has become a big part of his life. And he started off by telling us about rescue stories and how he had rescued countless people on the beach who got caught in rip currents and, you know, near drownings and actual drownings. And uh, one of the things he said is that of all the people he saved, countless people over the years, only one person ever came back to him and said thank you. Actually followed up with a letter. And, you know, I asked him, you know, why was that? And uh, he said, you know, people oftentimes are too embarrassed about what happened to them. They don't like to admit that they, uh, you know, that they were out of control and that they needed help. And so for them, it's easier to walk away and almost pretend like it never happened. They wanted to be in control and they weren't and it scared them. You know, I think all of us have this need for control. And if you're a parent... We try to do everything we can to control our kids, to keep them safe, to protect them. You know, we want them to have a great life. We want them to have self-esteem. We want them to have a good group of friends. We want them to get good grades, be involved with good activities so they have an enriching life. And we're hoping that they get into a good college. And then that one day they won't be 35 and sleeping on our couch. You know, they'll have their, uh, they'll have their own place somewhere. But oftentimes... In our uh, desire and our control to try to make them healthy, we realize that it doesn't always work. You know, we try to get our kids to be self-reliant, um, but oftentimes that falls apart. You see, what happens when failure comes? What happens when things don't go so well? That self-esteem can sometimes become so fragile Rene Descartes said, I think before I am. And Aristotle said, 
knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, sometimes ourselves are not that great. Sometimes ourselves become detached from others and we struggle. Like when I lock my keys in my car, which I've done on countless times, I realize that I need help. And then we sometimes say, well, if we get them the right group of friends, you know, a good group of friends, you know, that'll help them. So they, you know, if, if their self isn't so good, if their self-esteem's not so good, then maybe we can uh, organize a good group of friends. When they're little, we give them play dates. We try to put them with the right kind of kids. My dad always said to me, you know, if you hang out with losers, son, you'll become a loser. Or, you know, you don't want to hang out with the bad apple. Well, the problem was that sometimes I was that bad apple. Sometimes I was the one that was causing other people to be losers. You know, that can fall apart, too. And then with academics and, uh, you know, sports, sometimes even though we have them as a, a fellow colleague, Ted Duvall, preached about recently, we can get them on the right team, the travel sports, but that doesn't always guarantee a scholarship. They can get good grades and get into the right college, but that doesn't always guarantee that they'll be successful in college or they'll even get a job afterwards. I'm not here to depress you. As a matter of fact, I have a very hopeful message today. You see, the message today is this, and it's the good news from the gospel. We have a Savior who rescues us. And when we put him first in our life, then we understand ourselves better. We understand others better. We don't become detached from reality. We become attached to reality. And it causes us to be the best version of ourselves because we've become attached to the author of our lives, the one who wrote down every page of it. This week in VBS, we went over this theme of rescue. We reminded the kids each day that Jesus rescue. When you are lonely, Jesus rescues. When you worry, Jesus rescues. When you struggle, what kids? A few of them, all right. When you do wrong, Jesus rescues. And when you are powerless, all right, all right. I could make them do them louder. But, um, so my question for you all this morning, is this just a children's message? Or does this apply to us too? See, oftentimes in our uh, secular Western world, when we look at this uh, ancient story of Jesus, it can be kind of something that's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. It's for children and old people, but it really doesn't apply to my life. Or maybe at Christmas or at Easter, we'll talk about it. We become very detached from this message. We don't see our need for a savior. We want to try to keep control of our life, of our life. For some of us, we outright reject God and the whole idea of it. And our version is let people be people. I'm okay. You're okay. You find your reality. I'll find mine. And we'll just kind of live life that way. But the good news from the gospel this morning, as I said before, is we have a God, a master architect, who is the one foundation that we can build our lives on. He's not one option among many. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And now that this can sound kind of narrow, when we understand that, when we believe that, we put our trust in that, it changes everything for us. So today we're going to look at this guy named Peter. And Peter was somebody I can appreciate because he messed up all the time. He was a guy who had a great gift. He had incredible courage. 
but he also was constantly doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing. He was like ADD guy. He was always jumping into places he shouldn't. But he, too, had a big rescue in his life. You see, Jesus rescued him. It says that there was a uh, storm, or the, the, the wind and the waves had gotten really, and these fishermen were on this boat, and the wind was butting up against the boat, and they were scared. And they began to sink. Oh, actually, sorry, let me back up a little bit. So the, there, was wind, there was wind against this boat. It, it was a pretty terrifying situation. All of a sudden, they saw Jesus walking on the water. And the disciples were freaking out. They thought they saw a ghost. But Jesus said, take heart as I do not be afraid. And you know what? I bet they were still afraid because here this guy they've been hanging out with is walking on the water. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, caught him, saying, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Said Peter and the other disciples on the boat said, truly, you are the son of God. You see, this was the second time they had been uh, rescued on a boat. The other time, Jesus was sleeping on the boat and the storm was fierce. And they said to themselves, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So the light bulb was starting to kick or, or to click starting to light up they realize wait this is not any ordinary man i know he's healing people but who can control nature this is god's son this is god in flesh so they began to recognize who jesus was and peter um later uh jesus said who do you say that i am and peter always being courageous and bold said you are the messiah the son of god and jesus tells him you're going to be the rock which i build the church on and Peter was anything but a solid guy. And he was like, okay, I'm the rock. I'm the man. I'm the one who Jesus is going to build his church on. I'm sure he was very excited when Jesus said this. Except the problem was a few days later, he was the one who denied Jesus three times. When the going got tough, he went in the opposite direction. He went away along with the other disciples. And not only did he go away, when people asked him if he knew Jesus, he didn't want to get killed either. So he said, nope, didn't know him said that three times. This guy who was supposed to be the rock was anything but a rock. He was a failure. But God wasn't done with them next. He was not done with them. Here's the next thing that happens. When Jesus rose from the dead, Peter was out in a boat again, a common theme in his life. He was a fisherman, right? And he sees Jesus... And the first thing he does, being the ADD guy, is he throws on his, I guess he was in like his bathing suit or his skivvies or something, whatever they fished in back then, put on his robe, jumped in the water, swam to Jesus. And rather than Jesus saying, you know what, you screwed up, you don't belong, Jesus asked him three times to feed his sheep. In other words, Jesus has a plan for his life. He did it three times to remind him of his sin, that three times he had denied Jesus. But then he reinstates him. You are the rock that we're going to build the church on. Peter was never the same after this. He understood grace and forgiveness. He understood that failure didn't have the final word. 
his self-esteem was unbelievable because he had put his trust in God. He had put his trust in Christ because he understood that even though he was imperfect, even though he was messed up, that God wasn't through with him. So later in his writing, as one of the church leaders, he writes this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that never can perish, spoil, or fade. He saw the resurrection with his own eyes. His life was filled with hope. And he also realized because of this, he wasn't just going to kind of say, oh, yeah, my faith is something I just do once in a while. He was always encouraging people to live out your faith. He said, for this reason, always add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. He wanted people not just to like say, oh, this is a great message and have it up here. You see, he knew that Jesus was the son of God, but it took him a while until he was forgiven. And he understood that failure didn't have the final word in his life. And there was grace and forgiveness. And because of that, he wanted to tell everybody about that. He wanted people to live with that reality. His life was filled with kindness, with gentleness towards others. He said, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. He's like, this has no place for people who are believers, who love the Lord. And he said, tell other people who don't believe about me, about Jesus. He said, but do this with gentleness and respect. See, the Lord had been gentle with him, so he had this gentleness about him. Failure did not have the final word in his life. Peter was living for God. See, he was saved on that boat. After being saved, he understood who Jesus was. But in spite of that, he continued to mess up. But then he understood grace and forgiveness. He understood that God was with him. That God would not kick him out of the family because he was a believer. So what are we going to do with this message? See, when we recognize that we need help, that we can't do it on our own, it changes everything. Paul writes, for Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, he saves us and rescues us from ourselves because on our own we can't do it we can kind of live second-rate lives and try to be the best people we can but we need help the best way i have to kind of explain that is this our lives are kind of like all these interests we have ourself others are all like drawers and these drawers on their own without a chest to put them in aren't really used for what they're designed for. They don't function the way they were intended. But when Jesus becomes the framework of our lives, when he becomes that chest, then we have a place for ourselves. We have a place for others. We have a place for our activities that is secure and that will not fall apart. You see, when God-reliance becomes first, then we become attached to the author of our lives. Then we have the best view of ourselves because we hear it from our creator. And then when we're attached to God, we know how to be attached to others, how to love our kids, how to love our spouses, how to love others, because we understand that we're loved 
by Christ. And his frame, his foundation is not going to fall apart. Paul writes again, he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. Faith in him helps to hold all these things together. So often as parents, faith for our kids just becomes another drawer. Maybe to help them be a good person. Maybe to put it on their resume that they helped on a mission trip. But the most important thing we can do for our kids is to help them to learn to rely on God in their lives. That they can develop this faith. Because that's the one thing that's going to help hold them up. It's the one thing that can help them when they fail. Because we're all going to fail. We're all going to go through tough times. We're all going to deal with broken relationships. And we're going to deal with death in our lives. Faith in Christ brings us that structure. It brings us that security. It brings us that foundation. I want to remind us all here, we uh, all love our, our families. We all love ourselves. We all love our kids and our grandkids. The most important thing we can do to them is talk to them about the one who is the author of their lives. Now, I don't know where you are with your faith. Maybe you're not there yet. And I know what Peter would tell you. With gentleness and respect, he would tell you the hope that he found in Christ. And I'm going to tell you that same thing today. There is hope. This isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't just something that, to try to be a nice person. It can become the foundation for your life that's going to help you to have the best view of yourself, to be able to love other people. That's what I found to be true in my life, and I know countless others Millions and millions others of believers through the last 2,000 years have found the same hope. There was a great uh, verse in Deuteronomy, and it says this, and it, relies us on the poor, it reminds us of the importance of relying on God and bringing that uh, reliance to our children. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, don't make faith be something that you just talk about all the time. It doesn't mean you need to be weird about it and say, Jesus, Jesus all the time. But it does mean you remind them about who God is, about the importance of, of knowing God, about praying, about talking to God, that you bring them to church, you bring them to opportunities like VBS where they're going to have moments that, where they can connect with the God who rescues them. I want to leave you with two things. Remind you again about these drawers. They're supported when they're in that frame. God is that frame that holds all these things in our life together. Don't miss out on knowing this frame. And also, I forgot, Greg heard my sermon this morning. He goes, you've got to show him this picture and you may not see it, but there's Jesus reaching in the water. See the hand in the water? And I, I want to end with, by showing you this to remind you that he's reaching out for all of you with gentleness and respect to tell you that he's real, that your life has a purpose. And what we do with that is to admit 
like Peter, that we need to be rescued. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that we submit our lives to him. When we do those things, we'll find that structure. We'll be able to tell our kids how they can have self-reliance, how they can have good friends, because we'll be connected to the author and they'll be connected to the author of their lives. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, the life of Peter and all these biblical characters are such a, a great reminder to us that you use imperfect people to remind us of our, not only our need from you, but to remind us that you can transform our hard hearts, you can transform our stubborn, stubbornness to rely on you. And when we, re, when we rely on you, we become our true selves, attached to you and with the ability to love others. Help us to know that truth today. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.